0: Welcome to the Swine Health Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine health research digested for you. Swine Health Black Belt Podcast is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like Beringer Ingelheim through innovative solutions, cutting edge research and world class experts. Beringer Ingelheim helps producers operate with complete confidence. Learn more at swineresource.com. sca Ventilation and Management Solutions made for farmers by farmers since 1966. My name is Dr. Clayton Johnson, and I'm your host for today's episode. Joining me is Seth Melson from the University of Minnesota College of Veterinary Medicine. Seth, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me here, Clayton.
0: Seth, if you would get us kicked off by giving the audience a little background about yourself.
1: As Clayton said before, my name is Seth Nelson. I'm a fourth year student this year at the University of Minnesota. I grew up on a um, weaned to finish farm in Southern Minnesota and kind of fell in love with pigs that way and have continued on that path throughout vet school.
0: Very good. And as I understand it, you have uh, come across my brother in your internship careers, is that correct?
1: Yes, last summer I uh, interned at Swine Vet Center And that's kind of where the survey I'm telling you about today came from. Well,
0: that's good. And I'm especially impressed with the quality of work you have done in spite of my brother's mentorship. (laughs) And I hope he is listening to hear that wonderful message, Seth. But in all honesty, let's get right down to it, okay? Your research was on rotavirus, if I understand it correctly. And rotavirus obviously is a huge problem for the industry, right? Uh, We don't have we don't have a commercial vaccine solution. Every farm is infected with rotavirus, at least on the sow farm level. It's a problem. It's a nagging problem for pig farms across America and across the world. Talk to us a little bit about what you evaluated with rotavirus and, you know, what producers ultimately can do, if anything, to help control that pathogen.
1: Yeah, for sure. So rotavirus causes that uh, scouring in the early nursery stage or early in the fairing house and the nursery stages. And we've had a hard time getting a vaccine for it just because it's a hard thing to isolate and the strains don't protect against each other very well. Uh, So two methods that producers have used in the past uh, would be uh, natural plant exposure through two different methods. And that's kind of feedback in a mass batch or rotavirus ice cubes. And I'm gonna talk more about the rotavirus ice cubes here today.
0: Very good. So the principle we're trying to put into play here is we take uh, the actual pathogen from the farm because all farms are infected. And it's pretty easy to tell which pigs have clinical signs of rotavirus disease. We take that pathogen and we use that pathogen as a means of developing antibodies in the sows prior to farrowing. And then those sows theoretically pass those antibodies to their piglets via colostrum and then lactogenic immunity with just the milk itself. And that helps prevent the disease. That's kind of the, the working theory. Now, it's a, it's a theory, but we still see farms struggle with the disease, right? It's it's a frustrating one because farms will tell you, I'm doing the feedback, the natural plant exposure, right? All the things you're asking of me, the colostrum management, I'm doing it, but the pigs still get sick. So talk to us, Seth, what you kind of learned about the ice cube part of it in particular.
1: Yeah, and that's why I kind of started down the road of looking at what is actually done in the industry because you go to different systems and different producers and it's just a... All over the place on what we do, so trying to figure out what is actually being done, and you know maybe further down the road what actually works best. Uh, so I basically sent out a survey to as many you know veterinarians as I could uh, in the swine industry, and uh, really just wanted their response on what do you do. So I had a bunch of questions. I think I had uh, like 20 questions in there about how do you prepare these cubes and I think it's it's pretty interesting to read the results of how much, how many different things are done with these rotocubes.
0: Did you find, Seth, any producers that are actually measuring the quantity of rotavirus that goes into the rotocubes, or is everybody just shooting from the hip and collect some some of what we assume is rotavirus-containing material and make up the ice cubes that way, but don't actually test it? Anybody quantifying what they're doing?
1: Yeah, people are quantifying it, you know, it's using PCR and using those CT values to really try to find a level that they're at, which is semi quantitative. But most of the time that's being done. After that, though, the concentration isn't really used. It's just kind of is that virus there or is it isn't, or is it not there? Uh, so trying to figure out what dose to really give these sows has been very, very varied. Um, anywhere from, you know, people are mixing 75% 75% intestines with 25% um, you know saline. And then there are people on the other end of the spectrum only doing 10% intestines and uh, 90% saline, which gives you a wide variation of what could be in there. And we just don't know.
0: Yep. Uh, and, when, and, and when we don't know the uh, the right dose to give, that's gonna infer that we're gonna end up with a lot of variation. How about other ingredients that went into the feedback, Seth? You know, you mentioned saline and then, you know, tissues, plus or minus maybe scours. But were there any other ingredients that you found were included in the feedback?
1: Not specifically in RotaCubes. So in cubes it's mainly just that saline and that intestinal content blended together. Some people were putting milk replacer in it to kind of get some of that palatability up probably is the kind of the reason for that. Uh, but mostly it's just the saline and the intestines in those cubes.
0: And then, what about the storage of those ice cubes, Seth? Is that mostly just in a regular freezer, or people putting those in
1: negative eighty? Does it matter? Depends on the farm, and you know the most common response you'll get, or that we got in the survey, was that most people are using that fridge freezer combo that you see on farms a lot of times. Yep. We really need to investigate the how viable that virus is in some of those freezers because the fridge freezer combos often go through that Um, freeze-thaw cycle because they're frost-free and we don't know how the impacts it in myco we know that it or myco high pneumoniae we know that it has negative impacts on the viability of that pathogen but we just don't know that in rotavirus
0: you know i mean storage is another unknown so presumably if we can use it all uh fresh maybe we would remove that storage variable at least uh, did you did you hear from producers that they that they uh, don't use rota cubes, or could you talk maybe about situations where rota cubes are advantageous, and 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 there's something the producers were willing to work through the challenges with storage to to utilize versus a situation where fresh makes more sense?
1: For sure, I think the main reason that rota cubes are kind of used is because in that feedback when you first start that feedback, if you're doing general feedback. There's gonna be a lot of rotavirus in there if you have a rotavirus problem. And then the sows get fed it, they give immunity to the piglets through their colostrum, and then all of a sudden that amount of virus goes down in your feedback. So then you start to see cases of rotavirus go up because you no longer have sows being exposed to that, and you really create this roller coaster. Uh, and so that's where rota cubes have kind of been the advantage is that you can store those in the freezer over time. And then you can either throw it in with your feedback or just use that alone, depends on what system you're in, to kind of try to mitigate that roller coaster effect.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I would tell you, Seth, another thing that I've stumbled upon is uh, not intentionally, but sometimes you've worked with farms for just that reason to make up a big batch of feedback and you got four months worth something like that in the freezer, then the farm breaks with purse. And it's like, wow, that's really handy that we got a bunch of Rota feedback that we know doesn't have PERS in it that's already sitting in the freezer. So that's always something else as a practitioner. I think about it. If I'm working with a farm that's got a high PERS outbreak rate, right, a high risk of PERS, and we're in one of those times where we don't have active wild type PERS in the farm, we may make some feedback up just so we've got a stockpile of it for that rainy day PERS event that unfortunately tends to happen occasionally.
1: Very good point. Never even thought about that.
0: How about administration? Did you uh, ask in your survey about how they administered the the cubes? So I got the cubes, I pull them out of the freezer. What do I do with them next?
1: Yeah, there were kind of three main methods that were, well, four main methods that were being used. Uh, some people were just putting it on top of feed and that could either be done in the, in the feedback that you're already making or just alone, depending on the system. Through a backpack sprayer was decently common with just the cubes because it's a pretty diluted product. And then uh, through the water medicator, if you had that set up in your uh, cell form or in your GDU, was a a pretty common way to do it, too.
0: Okay. What about the timing of administration? Did you ask people in terms of how many weeks pre-FARO they're giving it or even the number of doses they're giving? Anything like that you learned?
1: Yeah. Most commonly, people were giving it three weeks pre-FARO and six weeks pre-FARO. Uh, but we did see some variation in there and some people were giving it a week before or nine weeks before Uh, so they're pretty pretty variable when they gave it but most commonly three and six weeks pre-farrel
0: very good what about big picture seth we don't know what the dose should be you found huge variation in the, the the dosage that's being actually created for the cubes until we can figure out what it should be it's kind of hard to drive people to consensus right Is there any work that's being done or could be done to help us titrate that dose down to say you need this many logs of rotavirus in a cube and you can use that cube across this many animals? Anything like that that's being done?
1: Yeah, in the private sector right now, there are people working on an antibody test to see, you know, we fed this cell the rotavirus, is she actually responding to it at that dose, and is that getting into colostrum? I think those are really important points that. Right now, we don't have an, a way to measure those antibodies uh, specific for Rhoda, at least, and so I think that would be really important to do, which is being worked on. But as of now, you know, some people are giving, you know, a cube to sixty cells, which ends up being a, a quarter of a mil. and is that an effective dose? We really we don't know, and that's the hard part about growing virus size cubes.
0: As is always the case, one research project leads to another, right? Um, so fantastic job of applying the principles of science. When you, when you start with a researchable question and you just create a new one, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, thank you very much, Seth, for coming on. I uh, appreciate you sharing your, your feedback on, on rotavirus and, and congrats on the job well done. Um, and to everybody else, else out there listening in the audience, thank you to listening to this Health Black Belt podcast. If you haven't checked us out on our website, please do so, uh, www.swinehealthblackbelt.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on our new episode coming next week. Thanks very much for joining us. And for Seth Melson, I'm Dr. Clayton Johnson. We'll see you next week. Hey, everyone. We're always searching for the latest and greatest research to share each week. If you have a swine health related research trial and would like to come on the show to talk about it with me and share it with our audience, feel free to send an email to healthblackbelt@swinet.com, and we would love to take a look at your research.